Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. A continuation of last week, I'm joined by Stacy Conley, whose daughter Addison passed away just a couple days after her 18th birthday and after an incredibly brave fight against a rare form of leukemia. When we left off last week, Stacy, you were struggling with a decision you had made. You had promised Addie that when her time on earth came to an end, that you would take her home, that you wouldn't let her die in a hospital. But at a certain point, she was in the hospital, and she coded, and you were asked if you wanted life-saving measures to take place, and you said yes. When Addie came out of her coma, she was furious and felt like you had broken a promise to her. Pick up from that point. Her words to us were not to pretend we were God. If she died, to let her go. And in that moment, when we were forced with save her, we chose to save her, and I'll never regret that choice. But it was very, very, very difficult. Very, very difficult because we were going back on a promise to her, which was we would let her go. But she also didn't want to die in the hospital. These things that you're forced to do as a cancer patient and then as a cancer parent is life-changing, mind-blowing. Honestly, in most cases, uncomprehensible because our child is laying in this hospital bed And we are given the option to do what she's asked us to do and do what our heart says to do and to not disrespect her choices, but to respect the choice that we're the adults and she's not, Mm -hmm. which was hard because we treated her as if she was an adult. She was able to make choices. Of course, we had to feel like they were the sound choice and the right choice, but she was always in control. We always told her this. You're the marathon runner, kiddo. You are. Mm -hmm. We are simply the people holding the trail mix and the Gatorade on the side. You need us, but we need you so much more. If at any point in time she had decided to give up, who were we to make her do something she didn't want to do when it came to treatment that she had to endure? It just wasn't fair. It wasn't okay. But in the ICU, Addie had talked for months about she wanted to make sure other kids had blankets and comfortable blankets because the hospital room, and this is where Addie's Blankets of Love was born, in a hospital room, she had been so sick and she'd have these white crispy sheets 
And Addie had very sensitive skin and she'd always had sensitive skin. And these crunchy blue blankets that were not comfortable and you couldn't pull them up and snuggle to them and these plastic pillows. So she just hated it. So really quick, uh, Danielle and Lisa, which are like her bonus moms, they would always bring her nice sheet sets, nice comforters. She was always the stylish kid. She literally would have sheets and a blanket and a pillowcase and pajamas that matched. I mean, (laughs) the kid only wore a hospital gown when she was going to surgery. She did not wear one on a daily like that kid and fuzzy socks to match. Socks were her jam too. So when she got so sick and we had four days, the doctor kept saying, talk to her. She's hearing you. She's listening to you. So we made some pretty big promises. And that was that we would create her foundation and I would run over names with her. And I always felt like it was kind of like a still Magnolias moment. If you remember that movie, mm. um, we were watching and we were just talking and she was Julia Roberts in bed and I was Sally Field because I'm like, <laughs> wake up, wake up, look at this picture, wake up to this, you know, Sebastian wants to see you and, and he can't see you like this because if you don't make it, I don't want him this to be his memory. And your brothers, they want to come and see you. And Tara wants to see you. But again, you've got to wake up, kiddo. you got to wake up. Come on, best friend. We need you to wake up. We didn't leave. Four days. And it was just so hard. And they would be outside and they would FaceTime us. And like, look, Addie, they're outside right now. And they, they love you. And they want to see you. And, and you got to go to the window, Addie. you got to get out of this bed so you can go to the window and see them. And they miss you. And they love you. And, of course, she was completely out of it. She was so very sick. I slept in the chair. Chris slept on the floor. And I remember the chair was, it was kind of funny because you had to push a button and you couldn't just stand up from the chair because the chair would lay almost back like completely so you could sleep in it and you could all sit in the daytime. So you had to push a button that made one button made the back go up and then another button made the feet go down and then it also lifted you off the ground. So even if you tried to jump out of it, you couldn't. It was like it like trapped you in. And Addie woke up and she said, best friend. I looked over and I was like, oh my gosh, you're awake. She hadn't been awake. And I'm trying to get out of this chair and I feel like a turtle on my back because I can't get up. And Chris is laying on the floor and I'm like, babe, well, he has hearing aids and he couldn't hear me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, help, get up. And I'm like screaming for the nurse, Addie's up, Addie's up, everyone, Addie's up. Finally, Chris gets up and I'm able to get on my chair and she just looks at me and she's like, best friend, what happened? And I'm like, oh, baby girl, let me tell you about what happened. And... She's like, I died. And I said, you did. And she goes, well, then why am I not in heaven? And I said, because God let you stay. And she said, you made me come back, didn't you? And the excitement went to anger really fast that we didn't let her go to heaven. She said, but I wasn't in any pain. And I said, I'm so sorry, Addie girl. She said, but best friend, I I didn't hurt, and now I do. Why did you bring me back? And I thought she was going to be happy to be here. And for that few minutes, she wasn't. She said, I didn't have any pain. And I said, okay. And she was not physically, not mentally, and not my heart. And I said, I'm really sorry, kiddo, but I wasn't ready to say goodbye to you. And she said, okay, best friend, but you promised. And I said, yeah, we got to talk about that. I'm taking back my promise. I can't ever give you that promise again. And I'm really sorry that I let you down, but I just, I couldn't. And she's like, okay. She didn't talk to me for probably fewer four or five hours. She was pretty mad. She was pretty mad. She would tell Chris, I'm not talking to her. 
And Chris is like, I told him to save you too. And she goes, well, then I'm not talking to you either. Where's Sebastian? <laughs> Where's Tara? And I'm like, honey, they're going to come and see you. So then they came up and we went in the waiting room and we sat with Danielle and Lisa and her Emma and Riley had come to see her earlier that week because we didn't think she was going to make it. Like it was, it was really, really bad. And of course our girl, she did and she fought through it. And I'm like, uh, she goes, so what, what day is it? She didn't know that she had been out of it for four days. So we tell her and we're talking to her and the nurses all are coming in. They didn't expect her to make it either. So they're all completely just blown away that Addie's doing good. She gets to go back to her room and the Pete's floor and we're only there for two more days and we get to go home. And I'll never forget. We got to go home and literally the day after she came home was her 17th birthday party. And it was just so amazing. And she had the best time and she had to rest a lot, of course, but she just had the best time. Fast forward to her getting workups for her bone marrow transplant. That is the most harsh reality of this whole cancer journey that we will be told and we will learn. She will be checked in on December the 9th. She will have her transplant on December the 18th. We actually were given the gift of life from a complete stranger uh, through Be The Match. For just a sec to share what I learned about donating bone marrow because of Addie. In my mind, I had always had this idea that when you donated bone marrow, that it was a month off of work. It was this huge commitment. But because of Addie, I learned that it was only really a day or two of recovery time. Yes. And I also learned that there's such a numbers game involved with finding a match. So just the fact that Addie found a match through team Addie. That was a miracle in and of itself. Yes. When we first started over the summer and they started swapping people, Chris had a better match than her birth mom did. So Chris was first the option. But then they said Chris is older. So they don't really want to use Chris and Chris had been in the military. So he had a ton of vaccines that they also kind of don't want to use. So they were looking for a non-familial match. They found one through Be the Match through Team Addie. And this person that was willing to save our daughter and I will forever believe gave us 10 months we would not have had with her because of their selflessness. And this person came in and what they do is they give you shots for a week, give or take a few days, and they give them that so that you could double your bone marrow. And then they just, it's intravenously, so they just take it out of an IV and then they freeze it because of COVID. So you do it about 10 to 14 days prior to the actual giving Addie the new bone marrow cells because they want to make sure that nothing mixes because Addie had to go through nine days of the harshest chemo you could ever be given in your life, ever. And that's to prepare her. So it literally kills everything off in Addie's body. It almost killed her. That's Mm -hmm. another round of ICU. And it was incredible. And Addie still had Addie's blankets of love. At the time, it was just giving blankets to kids on her heart. So we were giving them and the moms would bring them and friends would bring them and we would share them with the kids in, in City of Hope. And it didn't really go outside of just the walls of the Peds floor at City of Hope with Addie during this part of her stay. On December 18th, Addie was given donor cells. And that was going to be her new birthday. So Addie was going to be completely, it's a rebirthing process for Addison. They would kill every DNA that she had and she would now be the donor's DNA, which is pretty wild too. But this person who knows us, but we don't know them, wanted to give the gift of life to our daughter. And they did. In January, Addie got very, very, very ill, very fast. And we kept questioning the doctors like something's wrong. Addie didn't complain. And every day Addie was saying she was having this extensive pain on her right side. And she said, "Um, no, I don't think there's anything wrong. She would check 
like touch it. And Addie's like, it's hurting. I'm like, again, you're a rounding doctor. You're not our doctor. And if you knew Addie, you would know she never complained. She just didn't. It's not who she is. And she's like, no, there's definitely nothing wrong. You're just, you know, maybe you guys are just agitated because you've been here for over a month. I know it's a lot, but we should be looking to go home at this point. That next day, I'm demanding, like, someone needs to do something. Something is wrong. You guys are missing this. This is a big deal. My daughter is really sick. She's unable to eat. Now she's not even going to the bathroom. You're pumping her with all of this fluid and no fluid is coming out. I can tell you it's in her stomach. And that afternoon, the doctor walks in and says, I think Addie has VOD. She starts to explain it to us. It's when Addie's system shuts down. It's a form of sepsis, but it's not sepsis. It's her kidneys are shutting down. Her liver is shutting down. That's why she's not able to pee. That's why she's blowing up. That's why she's retaining all of this fluid. And it just becomes this process of absolute hell for Addie. And she's in so much pain. I keep pushing. Something's wrong. Where's a pediatric nephrologist? We need another doctor in here. Something is happening and you guys are missing it. Addie's really sick. We're starting to see this pattern. If they think you're dying, they let more visitors come. Mm. The nurses fabulous the absolute best hands down the best they get a permission and approval for gabriel to come in which is gabriel tara's husband gabriel is her brother and gabe gets to come in and when gabe comes in gabe's like what is happening to her mom chris and i live there so we're seeing her deteriorate every day but it's not as shocking to us as it is to someone who has not seen her Mm. and he's like mom she's so sick she can't even breathe on her own and gabe's history is he went to school to be a medic So he's recognizing things that we're new to this. Like we're new, but we're not new. Mm -hmm. And he's like, she can't even breathe. She needs oxygen, mom. And I'm like, no, our oxygen level's okay. And within five minutes, the nurse runs in. And I'm like, maybe Addie needs some oxygen. Addie's like, I'm having a hard time breathing. They put oxygen on her. In the next 24 hours, Addie would be completely unconscious. Addie would be rushed back to the ICU with a rapid response team. And they didn't think Addie was going to make it. Now, again, another still Magnolia's moment, and we're processing all of this, and I'm talking to Addie again. She's unconscious. We're sleeping in the room, and I'm telling her as she wakes up, we're going to start her foundation because that was really big to her, and it was on her bucket list. We're going to start your foundation, kiddo. We're going to do it. What do you want to call it? You wake up right now, whatever it is, I'll I'll make it happen today. You just wake up and you tell me what you want it to be called. And again, she's completely out of it. So I'm having a conversation with her and with Chris. Like there's three of us talking, but there's only only two of us talking. And we come up, we're like, what about Addie's blankets of love? Let people fill Addie's love. You know how much you love your blankets, Addie. And the nurses come in and she's like, that's a great name. And I'm like, isn't it though? I'm like, now if our girl would just wake up, we'd let her do it. (laughs) so then uh, for two more days Addie's completely unconscious she's doing 24 hours a day dialysis it's a 50 50 if she's going to make it through or not it's really bad again they're letting people come and see her because they don't think she's going to make it day five Addie wakes up and she says I could hear you talking to me I just couldn't talk back to you and I said what do you mean because the last time she couldn't and she said Addie's blankets of love I love it and I'm like Okay, well, we'll do it then. Let's make this happen. And that's where Addie's Blankets of Love was born on January 15th, 2022. And our girl fought with everything she had because she never felt like anyone should have to fight like her. It was really bad. And her sparky ways and her personality and her smile that everybody loved and her big blue eyes. And she just bawled in extreme pain. And she wanted you to feel good. So she was always pressing to make sure that other kids felt good. 
So this was her way of giving back to them. She was just a force we reckoned with. On February 1st, we got to come home from City of Hope. Addie was officially cancer-free. She got to walk out. She got to ring the bell. She was about 80% donor cells at this time. And we just see the end on the horizon. Like, we're going to beat this and she's going to make it. And, you know, forget you, all the people that said she wouldn't and the doctors that didn't care and the people we had to fight for to make this happen. And it wouldn't be uh, long that we would go to the doctor about four weeks. And she said, uh, these numbers are off. We'll look at them in a couple of days from now. And that's our new doctor, Dr. Karras. We loved her too. And she said, uh, we're going to look at these. We're going to figure this out. We're going to see what's going on. She said, I don't want to tell you what I think it is, but we're going to figure it out. And Addie's like, I'm okay. I'm fine. And then she looks at me and she says, if my cancer's back, I'm not doing this again. And I said, first of all, we're not talking like that. And don't worry, you're not going to have to because your cancer's not coming back, kiddo. You're good. You've been through enough. You're good. And she says, okay, okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you, best friend, I'm not doing this again. So I'm like, okay, but I'm telling you if it is, you, you are. <sighs> I said, but we're not going to talk about it like that. Because now she's getting like really kind of like frustrated and angry, sassy. We'd always call her sassy, <laughs> super sassy. We go home. She's sleeping in the car. On the way home, Dr. Karras calls. And she's like, Stacy, are you driving? And I said, I am. And she said, can I talk to you? And I said, of course. What's going on? I said, did the labs come back? Are we okay? And she's like, no, we're not okay. Addie's leukemia is back. And I said, wait, what? What do you mean? And she's like, the transplant didn't take. Her leukemia is back, Stacey. The next day we go to Glen Ivy, Addie's favorite place to be. While we're driving, Dr. Shahani calls me. Dr. Shahani was Addie's oncologist, but then when we went to bone marrow transplant, we switched to Dr. Karras. And she says, I don't know how to tell you this. And I said, well, you know us, just tell us. And she's like, Addie's cancer is back. And I said, Dr. Karras said that she thought that yesterday, but we weren't believing that. What do we need to do now? Just more cells, more medicine, like one round of chemo and get back on the transplant. What do we need to do? And she's like, it's not that easy. If Addie doesn't do chemo today, she has one to two weeks to live. If Addie does chemo, it'll probably give you guys a month. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? What, I don't understand. What do you mean a month, one to two weeks? That, that's not possible. That doesn't even make any sense. You, you don't know what you're talking about. She's okay. And she's like, she's not. She's actually very sick. This is a very aggressive form of, of leukemia, Stacy. And I'm so sorry, Chris. I'm so sorry because she's on speakerphone. And she said, and now there's two new mutations. And that's, that's not okay either. This is bad. Addie doesn't have much time. And Addie's like, I'm done. And I'm like, you can't be done. And she's like, best friend, I don't want to do any of this again. And she's just kind of stoic. She doesn't understand why we're so upset. She's like, you guys, I'm just going to get to go to heaven sooner than you. And I'm like, this kid's faith. She went from not knowing who God was when Chris and I met to having the faith of like, I feel like, you know, Moses and Job and all these Bible men and women that just trusted in God completely and we're falling apart and she's okay. So we call Dr. Shahani back. Dr. Shahani tells Addie, I'm really sorry, honey. This is where we're at. This is what we could do. And she's like, okay, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. I don't want my family to be sad. Again, putting us before herself. She starts the next day in chemo. They tell us it's not going to work. Probably just going to buy us a few extra weeks, which we'll take whatever we can. They're only going to do five days of chemo. They're not going to do the 10 like they normally would. And day five of chemo, Dr. Karras comes in and she's like, well, I don't know what's going on, 
but it's working. <sighs> we're looking at the leukocytes in Addie's blood and the leukemia and it's coming way down and we're not sure how that's happening because this really should have just stopped it from growing. We didn't expect it to kill it because she's chemo resistant. Like chemo's not working anymore for Addison because she's has used so much of it. And she said, but it's working. So we could do five more days if you guys are up for the challenge. And Addie, I'm like, Addie? And she's like, yeah, it's working. Sure, it's not making me real sick. I'll do it. Within about a minute of her leaving, we're so grateful. And we're just like, that's God. God is so good. You guys look at like this is, we were told it wasn't going to work. We were told it would just stop it from growing. We, it wasn't going to kill it. And then the chaplain comes in. Now, we hadn't seen a chaplain the whole time we've been at City of Hope. Now, this is in March. And in September, we had started going to City of Hope. So this is seven months and never once seen a chaplain in our room. The chaplain walks in and he said, I heard there's a whole bunch of miracles happening in this room. <gasps> and Tara looks at him and she goes, there is. And Addie's like, well, yeah, that's me. I'm a miracle. And I'm like, you are, kiddo, you are. And within seconds, under Addie's bed, you see this rainbow of lights. We're talking about God. We're talking about the miracle. The chaplain walks in. Now there's a rainbow at the end of her bed. And it's just beautiful to see how everything is unfolding in front of us. We do five more days of chemo for Addie. And it comes back that, of course, we're not super far off, but we're killing the cancer, which is huge. We have to do a new bone marrow biopsy. Addie's 40% leukemia cells. So not incredibly too bad, but we don't want to be any percentage, but here we are. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We go home. Addie gets to continue living on her bucket list. And on her bucket list so far, we had done hot air balloons. We have done Vegas. We did, you know, zip lining. We went to Mammoth where she got to snowboard. We've done all of these things. And now Addie's thing is, if I only have a month to live, I want to get married. And I'm like, uh, okay, Chris, what do you think? And she's 17. She's 17. She's not 18. And Chris says, what do you think? And he's like, she wants to do it. You know, who are we? They're, they're telling us she's not going to live. Why not? And that's kind of what we started to do, that it wasn't, no, you'll wait. Because Addie wanted to get married when she was 21. It no, we'll wait. Now it's, we don't have time to wait. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. This is all just incredibly intense and insane. And sure. So we call our best friend, Bonnie, one of our besties, and she's a wedding planner. And I'm like, girl, Addie wants to get married. She's like, okay, where? I'm like, well, last year we kind of looked at some venues that Addie liked and we've seen a wedding dress that Addie loved. We had went to an Ontario Mills with the girls and Lisa and I had went and had the girls try on dresses and Addie tried on wedding dresses and Addie fell in love with a wedding dress. We were just doing like kid things and having fun. 
And Addie tried on this wedding dress and she's like, this is the dress. And I'm like, kid, there's like 30 more you could try on. And she's like, no, this is it. This is my dress. Do you think they'll have it for sale in three years when I get married? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. We'll take a picture. Sure. Someone can make it for you. Well, then now fast forward and Addie wants to get married. So Bonnie's like, Stacy, you can't get a dress in two weeks. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And Lisa's like, I got this. We'll figure it out. And then, of course, Tara teased us because Tara's wedding was planned in three weeks. And Tara's (laughs) like, Addie's saying, here, hold my beer. I'll do what you do. (laughs) So we find a venue that Addie loves. It's on the water in San Diego. We go and buy her wedding dress. Well, Lisa does come in the hospital with Addie. We use Tara to get it sized because Tara and Addie are the same size because Addie's in the hospital. So all these things are happening and we're planning, literally planning a wedding by the grace of God. It was the most magical and beautiful wedding I've ever been to in my life. She had a hundred people. She got to dance. She got to party. She got to confess her love to the hundred people there, to the love of her life that she's loved Sebastian since she was 12. Steve, Sebastian's dad married them. There was no marriage certificate, so she didn't get legally married. She just was able to have a ceremony. But again, it's whatever she wanted to do, we were doing. How do you fit a lifetime of memories in six months? So we we did everything we could to do everything for her and right by her with every breath we took. Because that's what she deserved. We started quickly looking for resources of clinical trials. And again, door after door after door slammed in our face because she's not 18. And you see in the medical world, 18 is like this magic door that opens you up to this yellow brick road that you get to now have all of these options. But if you're under 18, there's no options. Literally, no options. And it's, sorry, you're not 18. Well, that clinical trial would work, but you're not 18. And that clinical trial would work and it's shown great, sir, but it doesn't 18. And here, there's chemo over here. But you're not 18, so you can't have that either because that's adult chemo. And I would just be screaming, like, are you kidding me? All of this chemo is adult chemo. Nothing you've given Addison was made for a child. None of this has been designed for someone of Addie's age. Yet you give it to her with no questions asked. Yet there's a clinical trial right now that you're telling me could save her life. And she's not worth it. Well, don't say that. That sounds harsh. That's reality. You just told me she wasn't worth it because you won't give it to her. I can't imagine the frustration you must have felt because you've already been told you've exhausted all the options for treatment approved for children under 18. So why not give her a chance with something that isn't approved for someone under 18? Because without it, she's doomed anyway. What's the worst that could happen? I I just can't imagine how frustrating that must have been for you and your family. Beyond. We didn't sleep. The crazy thing is about hospitals is they hold these clinical trials and they hold them so tight to themselves because they want to be the one that finds the cure. Mm -hmm. So they're not really free giving with their information. At Addie's wedding, we met an amazing, amazing woman. Her name is Rachel and we absolutely adore her. And she had an amazing friend named Michael who was the head of Leukemia Lymphoma Society in San Diego. Rachel actually was woman of the year with Leukemia Lymphoma Society and gave a grant um, on behalf of Addie's name for research. He had a great friend uh, named Sohil, a doctor in Seattle, and through them got us in contact with him, who then helped us open doors to this clinical trial world that is just, it's insane. We went to Seattle to meet him to see if we can get this medicine. It's called STRO, S-T-R-O-001. 
It's a clinical trial that's specifically for AML patients like Addie. The red tape is extreme. I mean, it's enough to make you go mad. We had to go there. We met with him. He explained to us what we needed to do and he helped us. He came alongside of us and helped us. This whole system is all who you know. We know him. We're figuring things out with him. He then says, you need to go directly to the manufacturer that makes this drug. You have to get their approval to give you what's called compassionate use. Now, the things I'm going to tell you the next are follow the money. Mm-hmm. Compassionate use is because Addie's not 18. So they can't charge the insurance for a drug that's not viable for an under 18 years old. It's not an adult. You need to be an adult. If you were 18, they could charge your insurance millions of dollars and it would be okay and they'd give it to you. But because Addie wasn't an 18, they couldn't charge us for this medicine. So they had to give approval from the company who's making it. They had to say it was okay for us to use that medicine and give us under compassionate use. The doctor who was responsible for this clinical trial also had to say okay and the hospital that it was supposed to be created through and used in Seattle has to be also okay that we're going to use it at City of Hope. Then we get all of that red tape cleared. Takes us almost two weeks. Now we have to wait two weeks for the powers that be at City of Hope to approve Addie using this clinical trial drug at their hospital. We have to wait for a board of doctors who don't know anything about my family, doesn't know Addie. All they're seeing is a file with Addie's medical records in it and a doctor, Sohil, and Dr. Karras pleading with them to please allow Addie to try this. Give her this chance at life. It doesn't go without a day that they're not begging not only the board to read this, but to approve it. It takes them now two more weeks. We now have a month that we've been working on this for. Then it takes another whole week for the medicine to come, for them to actually start to give it to Addison. Then they're short-staffed on nurses. And it's this whole, it's crazy. We use the drug that we fought so hard to get, and it doesn't work. Addie's cancer numbers go up. So now we have another clinical trial that we find out about that sounds amazing. It's at MD Anderson. MD Anderson won't talk to us, won't look at us, won't even set an appointment until Addie turns 18. There is no compassionate use there. They will not send it to City of Hope. We will actually have to move our entire family or just Chris and I with Addie to Texas, which we're prepared to do. We were prepared to move to Seattle. We literally are flying all over the United States trying to find someone that finds value in her life and is willing to put their name on the line to save hers because it just comes down to money. In August, Dr. Karras says, I'm going to do a bone marrow biopsy and are you okay, Addie, if I'm going to put the chemo on your spine? Now, mind you, this entire time, Addie's never had leukemia in her spine. It's really bad if you do. And she's like, I've never had leukemia in my spine. Do you please not to do that, Dr. Karras, because you know it hurts so bad. And she's like, we don't have to, but I just recommend that we do. We don't want it to get, you know, for as long as you've had leukemia, Addie, that's like active in your body, it's not dormant. We need to be careful because at some point in time, it's going to penetrate your spine. We just need to check, okay? And Addie's like, okay. That was Wednesday. Friday morning, I get the phone call. Chris and I actually get the phone call that says, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, Stacy." And I said, I swear to God, if I hear one more of these phone calls, because you just know what it is. I mean, we're so close. We're close to the doctor. We're close to the PA. We're close to, to the NP. We're close to all the nurses. They're just, they're our family. Like, they love Addie, and they just would do anything for her to help her. And she says... Addie's spinal fluid came back in. It's cancer. It's 98% leukemia. Again, this feeling of, I can't feel my legs. I need to sit down. Chris helps me. I sit on the bed. Chris sits next to me, and he's just sobbing, and I'm sobbing. And I'm like, what does that mean? And she's like, we need her to come in here now uh, next week, and we need to put chemo on her spine every week to kill that. And um, 
it's just not good, Stacy. And oh, by the way, I know you're fighting so hard for these clinical trials, but no one will take her with leukemia in her spine. No one. And I said, I feel like I just got punched in the gut again. And she said, I know. And I'm really sorry. And I said, this system is so broken. And she said, it is. And I said, I'll never be okay with this. And she's like, I know. And this kind of starts us on every week. Now we're doing chemo and Addie's fine every single week. And Addie's in so much pain. And Addie doesn't feel good. And every week we're at the hospital and we're getting a procedure done. And they're putting chemo on her spine. And now we have sores in her mouth. Now we have sores, you know, on other parts of her body that she never had before. And that's from the chemo because it has, it needs an outlet. And Addie's just getting sicker and she's getting weaker. Now she's weighing less than 100 pounds. I mean, 100 pounds with all of her clothes on and her Luke Combs Crocs and her clothes. And she's trying to keep her phone in her pocket so she doesn't ever go below 100 pounds. One day they're like, can you take all that off? She weighs 92 pounds. And I'm like, oh my God, my baby is just fading away in front of my eyes and there's not a damn thing I could do about it. And it's just, we were there with her for all of her appointments and and helping her. Sebastian Chris would go or I would go. And then we're doing all of these things and we're trying to be everything to everybody at the same time we're fighting for our kid's life because it means everything. We're still fighting for MD Anderson. We're still fighting for someone to see value in Addie. Like if you tell us she's dying, and they would tell us that all the time. If you tell us she's dying, why does it matter that you give her a clinical trial that you just told us could kill her? If we okay it, if she okays it, what is the difference? The leukemia or the treatment? What does it matter? At least we know we did everything to save her. And the, the one MP, she's like, There'll never be a question that you didn't do everything to save her. She's had an incredible life, Stacey. Like, we wish more parents and families would do the things that you've done because you let her live. And I said, but you just don't understand this is, she's our life. She's our kid. You fight for your kids. That's not even a question that you don't. And September, we're going to go see Luke Holmes again because we had seen Luke Holmes in the summer when he took her on stage. And that was just, she always said that was the highlight of her life, her wedding and the day she got to meet and be on the stage of Luke Combs. And it wasn't even for her. Backtrack a little bit. But on the stage of Luke Combs, she goes, people are going to know my name. And they're going to know my story. And they're going to want to help kids just like me because of me. And I remember thinking, here this kid is. The most unselfish kid fighting for her life and wanting to use her name and her story to help kids just like her. And just like she did through Addie's blankets of love. Addie's dream was to be able to walk down the hallway and not see a room with hospital sheets on it. Addie loved the babies, loved kids and loved the babies. She didn't want anyone to suffer, anyone to feel like crap, anyone to not feel like they were loved. And that's how Addie felt that she could help them and make them feel loved was by giving them Addie's blankets of love. And it was so incredibly cool because she said, when I give these out, best friend, it's like me hugging them even though I can't because they're sick. And I said, that's exactly what it's like, kiddo. Fast forward, Addie got really sick. She said it felt like there was a blueberry in her nose. We went to the doctor. We were at the doctor multiple times every week anyway. And while we were at the doctor, her eye was kind of a little red. She had it kind of itched and there was a blueberry in her nose. And I'm like, maybe you've got a sinus infection or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So we go to the hospital and she's like, I'm going to do an MRI because I'm not sure. It looks like she might have cellulitis in her eye. I'm hoping that the cancer hasn't gone to her brain. If it has, we'll have to do radiation. We had been invited back September 23rd to Luke Combs in Lake Tahoe. This is September 19th. We do the MRI. We come back upstairs. It's probably only about 30 or 45 minutes. And I really thought it was just routine. Like as it was progressing that day, we could know it was something more, but we didn't know what more was or what more looked like. 
And the doctor comes in and he says, I'm Dr. Anderson and I need to talk to you and I'm really, really sorry. And then Dr. Rosenthal comes in and he goes, and I'm really sorry too. And then Rochelle comes in and I could tell she's been crying. She's Addie's NP. She's amazing. And she said, Addie has what looks like an infection called mucor. And she said, it's not good. Stacy. It's, it's really bad, actually. If it is mucor, it's deadly. And it we don't have a lot of options since you have active leukemia. And with this, you won't qualify for any clinical trial, not even after you're 18. And that hit Addie so hard. This is the first time I actually saw her, even though I saw her cry a few times, completely just break down. Just lose it. And I'm like, what does that mean? Can you explain it to me? And she's like, the mortality rate where we're at right now, Stacy, is probably five days. And Addie says, I'm going to see Luke Combs, my friend. I'm going to beat this just like I beat everything else. Dr. Agami comes in and she says, I'm the head and neck specialist here at, and I'm preparing for surgery right now for Addison where the mucor looks to be. It actually kills your tissue. So it's necrotic. That's why Addie has the pain. I don't understand how she's just walking and talking like there isn't anything happening more than it is because the pain has to be so intense. It's the worst pain she's ever felt in her life. Addie hasn't even complained. She said, my plan is to go in and remove Addie's incomplete and total eyebrow, her eyeball, her nose, her cheek, and then go all the way down to her mouth. I will just leave a hole. I can't repair anything. I'm not a repair specialist. I'm just going to go in there and take all the infection out. Addie's like, I'm ready for it. And I look over her and I'm like, absolutely not. They're not cutting half of your face off, Addison. And I said, if you do that, she's like, I want them to do this. And I said, will she live? Is she not too weak with the active leukemia? What is the big picture? She goes, I'm not an oncologist. I'm a head and neck doctor. I just performed surgery and our doctor's gone. Our doctor, I think she was in Costa Rica. So I'm like, we need, she's like, where's Dr. Karras? I need to talk to Dr. Karras. I'm like, honey, she doesn't have cell service. We can't even call her. We can talk to Dr. Shahani. We talked to the NP. We talked to Dr. Shahani. We talked to Dr. Anderson and Rosenthal. And they're all saying the chances of you even making it through the surgery are slim to none. And if you do, you'll be in ICU. You'll have an open wound. And with the leukemia being so high and your counts being so low, you won't heal. This will probably take your life. And I said, if that's going to take her life, we're just going to keep living. She says to Sebastian, you're going to have to love me without half of my face. Because she's still going to do this. Even though we're saying no, she's saying I'm ready. And he's like, I would love you with with anything. You know, you're the love of my life. Now the whole room is full of people and we're all crying. The doctors are crying. The NP is crying. Everyone's crying. And she's just holding him. And then I said, you got to go figure something out. I said, there's got to be another hospital. There's got to be another doctor. There's got to be something that has more of an option for us than what you're telling me you're going to do right now, which is cut half of my kid's face off. This doesn't even, I can't even comprehend what you're telling me you're going to do, let alone actually let you physically do it. She says, the bigger problem is, this is Dr. McGaughy. She goes, the bigger problem is if I go in and I start cutting it away and it's further, there's a point where I have to just stop. And I can't put her face back together. And there'll be nothing I can do. And I said, okay. I said, did you hear that, Addie? If it's more than what she thinks, and they try to cut your face apart, and they don't get it all, you're still going to die. But now this is how you die. And I can't take you home. I can't take you home, kiddo. And you told me you want to go home. And she's like, okay, I need some time to think about it. 
she circles the room and she wants everyone to tell us she's the strongest person we know. So we all tell her like, and we vote. We always kind of did family voting and we all vote. We don't want her to have the surgery. And she's like, I feel like I need to though. If I don't, I'm giving up. And I said, you've never given up. You have fought this fight more than I think anybody I've ever known would or could have. Addie, I promise you, best friend, you're good. And she says, okay, I just don't want to give up. And she goes, um, will you tell me I'm the strongest person you know? And I'm like, yeah, kiddo. So I do. And that starts in the fact that everybody does. <laughs> then we get to Gabe, her older brother. And he's like, have you ever had a root canal? And she's like, no. And he goes, well, then you don't know pain, Addie, because he had just <laughs> had one. <laughs> and she's like, Gabe, really? And he's like, I'm just saying they're pretty bad. <laughs> so, their banter is always funny. I'm like, Gabriel, just damn it, tell her she's the strongest person you know. He's like, Mom, she didn't have a root canal. <laughs> so Addie kind of chuckles and we're like, okay. So we're like, we're waiting for UCLA to call us back. UCLA is going to tell us that they have a surgeon there. So we get her admitted. She's in the hospital. The next day, her eye starts to really swell. You can see it's more irritated and she's in a lot of pain. They start her on fentanyl, pain pump, a lot of heavy meds. As we're talking and we're um, explaining to the doctor, like, we're not going to do the surgery, but we're waiting for UCLA to tell us what they're going to do. Two days later, he says, UCLA said they, they don't want to take this on. It's too big of a risk. So then Addie's like, then I'm going home. So this is Thursday night. We get her pain pump situated. We get everything. And we literally take off Thursday night to go see Luke Combs in Lake Tahoe. Oh. We drive nine hours through the night to get her to Lake Tahoe. We get there about 536 in the morning. She goes to bed. She doesn't get out of bed uh, pretty much the whole day that later that afternoon, but just excited and happy to be there. And she keeps telling us, I'm going to see my friend. I'm going to, I can't wait to see my friend. I can't wait to see my friend. That night we go to Luke Holmes concert. We get to do a meet and greet with him before he sees Addie and she has her eye patch and she's now in a wheelchair and just not the same kid he saw in July. Mm -hmm. And he looks like he starts to cry. He walks mm -hmm. away. He took a picture of course with her, which we have. But I can only imagine in his mind, he expected to see the same kid he saw in July. Right. And he didn't. This is only two months later and, and cancer has just ravaged her, her very weak and frail little body. But she was just so grateful to see him. Like it was just another dream come true. He's such an amazing man. We stay for the concert. We watch about half of his concert. And then Addie's like, I just don't feel good. I need to go. I need to go lay down. So we're like, okay, honey. So we leave. Everybody else stays. We take her back to the house. She goes and rests. The next morning we get up, we come home. Monday morning, I'm, I'm pretty ticked off that we haven't heard from UCLA other than they're not going to see Addie. I call and I'm like, I need to hear more yeses and less noes. I don't understand why everything we do is a roadblock with you people. Why don't you see my daughter's life hangs in the balance? So within an hour, they call us and say, we're going to come meet a doctor. We don't know who we're meeting. We were just told what building to go to. So we go, we get there, we meet this amazing doctor who says, I feel like I could fix this. Uh, not for a long term, but at least to give Addie some relief. So he schedules surgery for a few days later. He goes in her sinus cavity, goes inside less evasive and cuts out quite a bit of her necrotic tissue from her eye and from her cheek, cuts out part of her sinus cavity, but she wakes up from surgery and says, I feel so much better. Wow. She just had major surgery in her face and she's feeling better because the necrotic tissue is so painful for her. We go home. She rests again while she's up. She's asking about Addie's blankets of love. How many kids have we helped? What kids do we need to help? Where are we at with that? 
we need to get the word out. Can you please start telling people? Maybe we could pay for some sponsored ads so people know about Addie's Blankets of Love. Best friend, I have to help people. I'm like, baby, you have helped so many and you will continue to help because, again, this is who she is. I saw kids at UCLA. Can we help them? Can we just bring some extra blankets for them? Of course, kiddo, whatever you want. So we're doing everything we can to save her life, doing everything we can to let her live and do all of the fun things that Addie had always wanted to do. And then we go on to she's still wanting to give back. This community, these kids, these people, they need her. She needs them. That weekend, she didn't feel the best. She was pretty agitated, real, real short. So we go back Monday. We go to the City of Hope, and the doctor comes in, and she says she must have had some kind of a neurological episode. She needs to go home on hospice. The road now is done. It's actually called palliative care, so she could have uh, conjoined hospice and palliative where they'll still give her blood and platelets. I don't think anyone thought at that moment that we would only have her for two more days. It was it was sudden, very, very sudden for us. The Friday before that Monday, Addie's birthday party, she had wanted to have a really big 18th birthday party bash, really big as in balloons and food and all of her people, but really small and intimate as in she only wanted about 50 people there. She chose her names. We planned it for a few weeks. It was a dress-up party. Not a Halloween dress-up party, but your favorite movie. Addie was Sandra D from Greece. Of course, Sebastian was John Travolta, and they were just the cutest, and she just had the best time. But you could tell she was kind of out of it that night, uh, not feeling the best. That entire weekend, she was very, very out of it, very crabby, very cranky, not an Addie at all. Being Addie's bonus mom, she's always just called me Stacy, her best friend. Most of the time, she calls me best friend. That afternoon, we were heading her to City of Hope, and it was hard to understand her by this point. And I said, yeah. And then she's like, I love you. I said, oh, baby girl, I love you. And she's like, shh. And she put her hand up, tell me to be quiet. And I said, oh, okay, sassy McSassy pants. (laughs) And she said, I love you. And I just looked at her, and she said, Mom, now I'd been Addie's bonus almost seven years and she had never called me mom mom to her wasn't the best name I was always best friend she would always tell me like anybody could be a mom but it takes a special person to be a best friend and you're my best friend I'm like and you are mine kiddo you are mine and she had told me call me best friend for years and that day she called me mom we went to City of Hope and that's the night they told us that we need to put her on hospice and she never spoke again So the very last words of our girl were, I love you, mom. My girl, she fought so hard, so incredibly hard. The next day was her 18th birthday, and we had promised her that we would take her with the VIP plaid coats for her 18th birthday to Disneyland. And we weren't about to break our promise now because I just knew she was going to wake up. She was going to be okay. We were going to get our miracle, and God was going to heal her, and we were going to be fine. I remember fighting so hard for someone just to listen to us this this cancer world is a terrible place to be especially with kids and we took her to Disneyland that morning and it was so many Addie things so many of the things that Addie loved Addie had already always told us if when she passed away she'd come back as a blue butterfly we would see her as a blue butterfly and to look for the signs because she was going to make sure she was everywhere no one was ever going to forget her and I'm like, who could forget you anyway, kiddo? You're the best. And we went to Disneyland and there was, and pumpkins. She loved pumpkins. Mickey did a special meet and greet with Addie and he literally came out in a pumpkin suit. 
And I remember leaning over and kissing her head and just crying. And there's a picture of him leaning over kissing Addie. And Chris and I are kissing Addie on her head. And we're just holding her. But this picture forever captured in time. We were there till about four in the afternoon. And it was just, we knew she was there, but she wasn't. But this was a promise we made to her that we would make her 18th birthday special. And we did. And we took her to Disneyland just like we promised. And some people gave us a lot of flack for that. Like, you know, she was so sick. It didn't change anything. We promised her this. We have no regrets. We did everything Addie needed and everything Addie wanted. And the next day she got worse. And we had no idea that that night at 10.58 p.m. she'd take her very last breath with all of us. And we think that she was waiting for us because two other times she had started to really slow down her breathing and her oxygen went really low. And we were like, oh, no. I'm like, no, 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 no. I am not ready to say goodbye to you, kiddo. You just hang on. God is not done with you. If you can see Jesus, you ask him where my miracle's at. Because this is not okay. And I remember she has some Bible verses on the wall and I was reading them and it says, you know, do not be afraid. And I'm like, God, I am so scared. And then she started breathing again and she came back. And then about six o'clock she did it again. And I was like, okay, I'm not afraid, but God, don't take her. Come on, Addie. You know how to fight. Don't, please don't give up. And then she started breathing again. Her oxygen came back up. And it was still in the 80s, but it came back up. And then about 10.30, 10.45, breathing became more shallow. And then uh, we were laying on her bed. And I had fallen asleep for probably 20 minutes. And Chris had fallen asleep. And then I sat up and I'm like, I think she's dying. We both looked at her and I held her hand. And I said, baby girl, you have fought so hard. If it's time, it's time. And we love you. And we will be here. We're playing music in the background. And I said, you go kiss my baby for me. Because I had lost my son in 2001. So you go kiss him for me. Say hi to my grandparents. And give her this whole long list of people that, you know, I said, and you make sure that you give knuckle bumps to baby Jason. And you give Lakin a big hug from her mama. And Brandon from her, his mama and just tell him that there's not a day that goes by that we don't talk about all of them, okay? You don't forget this stuff, girl. You do not forget this stuff. You have a list of things to do when you get there. Breathing got less and less. Chris then told her she was the strongest person he knew and how much he loved her. Sebastian said, I'll love you forever. You're my forever true love. And then Gabe said, you're the strongest person I've ever met. And I'll miss you so much. All of our best friends just cried. No, Addie, please don't go. The nurse came in pretty quick. And she was checking Addie's pulse. We're crying. And she says, I'm calling the time of death. And in that moment, the pain that we thought we had knew was nothing compared to the pain we now knew. And it was just like a light switch. As fast as you could flip on an awful light, the pain again But this time there's no end. This pain is forever. And the way that we work through our pain is by helping families just like her and kids just like her. And we give away her blankets and her comforter sets and all of the things because these kids that are in the hospital with these parents, you literally are walking in hell. You're fighting with everything you have. You would give anything you have to fight for them. And it's still not enough because cancer is a beast 
and it just robs you. It just comes in like a thief in the night and you don't even know Addie didn't. There's no family history for cancer. It was just her bone marrow just started to make it. We don't know why, but it did. And she's sick. And there's so many kids that are sick just like her. And there's so much of a fight. And as parents, you are you know, you have to raise your other kids. You have to figure out a home. You have to still work. You get to fight for your kid. You're doing all the things that you can to fight for your child that you can't stop fighting for. But it's just another job on top of being a mom, on top of being a wife, on top of working your job, on top of fighting the system that is so broken that today... Just like every other day this year and last year, 48 kids will be diagnosed with cancer. 48. It's obscene. And yet no one's screaming about it. Most cancer families don't even want to talk about it because they just want to shut the door and just close that part of their life because it's so hard and traumatic to have to live through it. I can't even talk to you without crying. You know, and our girl now is in heaven and she's in a much better place. But through that, she left a legacy that deserves to be carried on and that's Addie's Blankets of Love. I mean it's a 503c company. We had an amazing family that that did all the legwork and and did all of that for us and Sharice Monroe, she's incredible. Her and her husband went and did went to the IRS, went to, you know, the state, did all of these things to create this legacy for our girl. We have people that have donated. We had one donation that was $10,000. We use that for Christmas so that these families, because Christmas is not even on your radar. You're just trying to get through the next day. You don't even recognize that there, you know, you have kids at home that probably are hoping that they're going to have a present to unwrap. And you're just trying to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other while you balance both. Because some of Addie's prescriptions were $3,000 a month. You can't do all of that and provide for your kids and take care of Christmas and take care of their birthdays and just live. So we wanted to make sure we didn't have families that had to do that, you know, and we've branched out. We just had a kid that uh, City of Hope reached out to us about. He has GVHD, which is graft versus host disease, which is what you get when you do. And you need some of that because it shows you that your the bone marrow transplant worked and he has sores in his mouth. Well, his treatments are almost $1,000 at a place in Beverly Hills. He's got a single mom. They don't have the money to pay for this. So he'll just go without because he's not under 18. So there's not a lot of programs. You know, I think he's 21 or 22. There's not a lot of programs to help him. So we're helping him. Even though our focus is blankets, we just want to help on behalf of Addie because that's what Addie would have expected. There was never a family she didn't know that was like, Stacey, how much money do you have? Can you give that to them? They don't have any money. That mom's worried about not having gas to come back and forth tomorrow. So she's not going to be able to come. So can you go give her some money? Can you do this? I mean, she just knew the ins and outs of everybody because she didn't want anyone to suffer. And the community loved Addie with such great strength. She didn't go without. But most people don't have what we had. What percentage of cancer funding goes to pediatric research? Less than four. That's why there's a lot of hashtags that says more than four. It's less than four. The measly little amount they give to cancer as a whole. In fact, prostate and breast cancer gets the most combined. What changes would you like to see in the healthcare system? Taking our kids seriously. Our kids shouldn't have to have chemotherapy that's 40 years old. Our kids deserve access, just like the adults do, to clinical trials. I know they're concerned it's going to skew their numbers or they're not going to get paid, but It shouldn't all be monetary. 
It should be, you look at my little girl's face. You look at my little girl's eyes and you look at me and tell me she's not worth it. Because that's what I feel like the system did to us for 17 months and 27 days. She's not worth it. How can people support Addie's Blankets of Love? Uh, it's addiesblanketsoflove.org, A-D-D-I-S, and then blanketsoflove.org. Uh, we also have a Facebook. It's called Team Addie, T-E-A-M-A-D-D-I. The pictures of her on the stage with Luke Combs. You can go on there too. Team Addie has a whole line of clothes. We have Team Addie shirts, Team Addie stickers, Team Addie blankets, bracelets, everything that also rolls over into Addie's Blankets of Love and then addiesblanketsoflove.org. We have an Amazon wish list. There's blankets on there that are $10. There's blankets on there that are $50 because the things that are licensed cost a lot more and a lot of the kids want them like Paw Patrol and, you know, the Kings or the Ducks and those types of things. Dodgers blankets are like $80. You could help with purchasing something on our Amazon wish list. You could just purchase something that calls to your heart. You could donate monetarily. We are, like I said, a 503C foundation. We just need help because there's so many things right now and so much of a need that we're helping with. We gave over $5,000 away just in gift cards to families at Christmas time. And our plan is to try to do that every month because these families need our help. These kids, they need our help. We just need help and we feel like everybody knows somebody that's willing and able to help we're not susan g Komen. we're not you know going to get the name out there like that that does but these are our children and there's not a lot of foundations that are specifically designed for kids that are larger than life that you're going to hear about they're the small ones like let it be and charity for charity and warrior for children there's so many foundations that are just for stripes of warrior for kids and you're not going to hear about them because we don't have the funding and the words and the people that can get it out and shout it from the rooftops like you're allowing me to do today pepper i'm so thankful so so thankful i got a phone call today from the volunteers for veterans foundation they were recently gifted a bunch of bama socks more than they can use they want to make a donation to Mm -hmm. addie's blankets of love thank you so much for talking with us today I want you to know that just because Addie isn't physically here, she's still here. As we're recording this interview, today is your husband Chris's birthday. It is. I didn't know that when I reached out and said, do you want to come in today and record this? And I believe that was Addie. Always. She's everywhere. I pulled in the parking lot yesterday and there was a blue car next to me with a blue butterfly on the back window. No matter where I go, we're seeing blue butterflies, which is what Addie told us she would come back as to show us that she was okay. And it's literally everywhere. Everywhere we go, we're seeing. And I know there's, you know, people say, oh, you just see them because you're looking for them. I'm not looking for them. They literally are just showing up in every which possible way that shows us that she's here and she's fighting with us and for us and for all these kids because she knows we're going to carry on her legacy. Her life was cut tragically short because of lack of funding for children's pediatric cancer. And we're, we're never going to stop. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for letting us here at Odyssey be a part of Team Addie. Thank you for wanting to be. We absolutely love you guys. And thank you for all the support through the entire time. You were always there. You and Heather probably are both showing up for our girl. Just loving her with everything you had. We appreciate you. And she loved you so very, very much. She thought she was famous because she knew radio people. (laughs) Yeah. 
it was an honor to know her. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.